Hi, I'm Susanna, and this is The Susanna Gibbs Show. If you want to see the full unedited version of this podcast with some behind the scenes, we talked about so, so much from radio DJing, the history, the business, to rodeoing, cowboy culture, Texas culture, Yellowstone. Some of it we touch upon here, but there's a lot more on our sponsors page, GibbAgencyDallas.com. And now a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Susanna Gibb, owner of Gibb Insurance Services. Yes, I am the same person. We have over 25 years of experience serving Texas families and businesses for all of their home, auto, health, life, and business insurance needs. But because we rebranded two years ago, Google has us on page 10 of their search engine. So any click to our website is a big help. Go to GibbAgencyDallas.com for quotes to learn more about our agency, see the behind the scenes of this podcast, and to tell us what you think of our show. And now, on with the show. Brother Man. Yeah. (laughs) Currently spends his days at the rodeo. But on the weekends, he's on the radio, which is an interesting vowel switch. And I'm super excited. I want to talk to you about Texas and country and cowboy culture and um, what stories you have with both. So let's just, we'll start with the radio. Okay. How did you get the job with the Dorsey Gang? I got started in radio later in life. I was in my early 30s, and I was in the Midwest. I got my start in radio in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay. And that was a period of time in the mid-90s when radio stations were going through. The FCC had changed on how many radio stations a company could own in a market. Okay. And so I had a morning show in Grand Rapids, Michigan. A competitor company bought us, and just like most times what they do is they, they came in and they let go of everyone from DJs to janitors. And so I was without a job and I had told my wife at the time who was a Southern belle and grew up all over the South, you know, I'm in my early thirties. I got a late start in radio. We don't have the time to ping pong every two years across the country and try to move up to a major market. Okay. She had family in Dallas. I had always promised her to try to get her closer to her family. We moved to Dallas. I, I did a list of the radio stations that were in Dallas, who okay. they were owned by and what the ratings were. Okay. And so 96.3 KSCS and the mid-90s, I mean, country radio was through the roof. This we're, was his heyday, right? Like he was the most successful during this period of time. The Dorsey gang was, yep. referring to Terry Dorsey. Radio in general, you're talking Garth Brooks, George Strait, Reba oh, McIntyre, yeah. Dwight Yoakam. I mean, all of them, all the big ones, the, the, the mid-90s. And so, and I went into the radio station. I got hired part-time and I got a call from the boss. Terry wants to talk to you. Dorsey and Hawkeye, they want to talk to you. So I came in. And, uh, and there was a girl that was working with the morning show. Her name was Vanna. She was Vanna in the van. And so she would go out to grocery stores, uh, car dealerships, anything that was going on. And so they called me in and they go, Hey, Vanna's going on vacation. Would you consider maybe filling in for her for a week? And I'm like, uh, one of the top radio shows, morning shows in the country. I get a chance to work with them. And it's like, uh, yeah. And Dorsey I'm telling you, I'm lying if I said it went any longer than 30 seconds. He literally came up. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, okay, Vanna's in the van, and you're her long-lost brother, and you're the black sheep of the family. That's why we never, ever talked about you. And your mom had a thing for V-name, so she's Vanna, you're Van. 
and you're on work release program from prison. So, so, and, and the, the boss at the time, he goes, look, you're working with the morning show. Just don't, don't try to be funny. Just fill in for her for the week. Well, a little light bulb goes off in my head once again. Yeah. You got to get them to keep you. I'm going to go for it. Yeah. Why not? And from the very first day I went home that day, I go, man, that was radio. They made me sound so much better than I was. And we just clicked. And so over a, a six-month period, I would fill in when Vanna would be on vacation, when she was uh, getting married, when she was having babies, all, all this stuff over the next couple of years. It took me three years to get on full-time. Wow. But they go, okay, Vanna is going to be the sales tool for the morning show. So the salespeople can sell her, but you're going to go wherever we want you to go. And we're going to just have fun with it. I became the buffoon of the morning show. So I would go, and this is Vanna's brother, Van, filling in for her today, you know, at the circus. And so people just started calling me Brother Van. So that's how I got the nickname oh, Brother, Brother Van. Van. It has nothing to do with the church. Everybody, Although sometimes I use that to my advantage. Well, uh, yes. Tasered. I've been pepper sprayed. I've been attacked by police dogs. I've been buried alive for three days to, to raise toys for kids at Christmas time. And it just, it just blew up. So you guys were number one in Dallas. Yeah. And how much, because this was the time when Howard Stern, shock, jock, radio, how much did that affect what you were doing? Did you guys talk about that? Did it play in? No. Uh -uh. No. I mean, you guys were totally different. You know, he was talk radio. This was country. But still, he was such a force. Well, he was syndicated. The nice thing about the Dorsey gang was it was family friendly and it i learned a lot it was like dang gone you know you can be funny without being vulgar and without being blue and did we occasionally have a little innuendo here and there sure but not very often a smart innuendo will land even better than just saying it 10 times more the the magic of terry dorsey was God bless his soul. There's some people who don't even realize. He retired, and within, it was less than six months after he retired that he passed away. The, the great thing about Terry Dorsey was he did not care who on the morning show got the laugh. It didn't matter, Susanna, if it was you as a caller calling in, or if it was me on the street, or it was Hawkeye or Vanna, anybody, all the characters that called in. It's whatever made the show better. Is that unique? Yeah, I think so. There's some other morning shows here in town, and I guess it's okay if I reference them. You know, Kid Craddock uh, with uh, 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 his morning show, he's passed away as well. But he left a legacy with his morning show as well. Were they one of your biggest, bigger competitors oh, yeah. during that time? Yep. What and, was it like working for Terry? Like when you walked in, you walked into a number one radio show. Was there a ton of pressure? Was that? No. Uh-uh. You went in. That was back in the days. I mean, you, the computers, you know, and Googling and show prep with computers was just starting. We'd go in. The show would start at 6. We'd get there about 5 o'clock because sometimes I would fill in in the studio. So from 5 to 5.45, we'd be leafing through the newspaper and just talking. And we, we had a flow sheet on what we would do at certain times. But nothing was very seldom ever scripted out. And the thing about Terry, like I said, he didn't have a big ego. Now, he was kind of shy. Sometimes when he would be on the street, people would approach him or at an appearance. And 
Uh, and they would occasionally walk away. Eh, he's a little standoff, but he was actually kind of, this is our comfort zone right, right here, sitting there behind the mic. So working with him and for him, oh my gosh, you, you didn't mind getting up at 3.30 in the morning because it was so much fun. Oh, what a treasure. So much fun. So when did when did that all come to an end? So we called it uh, behind the scenes Radio Survivor. The TV yeah. show Survivor became <laughs> yes, so popular. Yes. Where it's like I got to duck this new company coming in. And I was able to do it successfully for 18 years and work with the morning show. I was in the production studio and uh, the phone rang and I, and they go, uh, "Hey brother Van, can can you come down to Mr. XYZ's office?" I go, "Amy, is it is it time?" Oh, did you know that you were doing the walk? Yeah. Your last yeah, walk. Yeah, because there was there was people all day that was it, it was it was one of those days in radio when it was a bloodbath. So that month that you were out of radio. Mhm. Cuz that's the first time that you hadn't had a job in what 18 years? Uh yeah. How terrible was that? Oh man, it was devastating. We were like a family. And then you lose the whole family. People were literally sitting in the hallways up against the wall, crying. Did you know what you were going to do? Is this when the, the rodeo comes in? I had worked at a, at a dude ranch working with horses before I started into rodeo. For those people that aren't familiar with this market, it's called the Mesquite Championship Rodeo. It's in a suburb of 15 minutes east of downtown Dallas. That was 10 years ago. Oh, wow. 2012. So I've been there 10 years. Do you think... How many people do you think know that rodeo is the official sport of Texas? If you're not from Texas, you might not. To to explain the rodeo for those that aren't familiar yes, with it, do. there's amateur rodeo, there's professional rodeo. So we are a PRCA rodeo, Professional Rodeo Cowboy Association. So these cowboys, they've got to have their PRCA card. They've got to be professional. They've got to be working for points and money to get to the finals in Las Vegas, which is our Super Bowl uh -huh. uh, or World Series. There are other rodeos that are like in all the little towns that, that's outside of Dallas, Fort Worth. Some of them are professional. A lot of them are amateur. Nothing against that because everybody's got to start somewhere. Right. But they're not the many of them aren't the level of the Mesquite Championship Rodeo. So these are some of the top cowboys. Number one, they love coming to our place because it's indoors and air conditioned yeah. <laughs> and it's June, July and August. So they love coming to our places as, as opposed to being out in some little podunk town doing a rodeo in August when it's 105 degrees. It's just like a football game. Yeah, there's four quarters. There's, you know, the timeouts, there's this and that, there's the rules. And it's the same thing with rodeo. The the different events, mm -hmm. uh, the saddle bronc, bareback, team roping, bull riding. Am I getting too so, philosophical there? No, but I do, for, um, because I also thought this was interesting. And if you can give me, and I'm, I'm sure that you do this all the time, so I'm going to let you do it versus me do it, which is a brief history of the rodeo. It, it started out as competitions between different ranches. So it would be like... Uh, Originating in Texas, though. Yeah, it would be like, well, I bet you our tough cowboy he can stay on that horse longer than your tough cowboy mm -hmm. and so that's how like saddle bronc and bareback and bull riding and all that and then with the roping events many of those were a necessity on a ranch a cattle ranch they would mm -hmm. have to to rope the steer or whatever uh to catch him and and vaccinate him or it might be sick or whatever and i'd be lying i can't remember which governor declared it but it 
declared mesquite the rodeo capital of Texas. Well, Bush declared that rodeo was the official sport of Texas. Bush, who owned a baseball team, declared (laughs) the rodeo the official sport of Texas. Because the rodeo has this history, I think it goes back to like 1883 in Picos, Texas, was like the first rodeo. There's some debate about Santa Fe, but we're not going to talk about Santa Fe. Because they're not in our state. And you're going to know more than me. Because remember, I'm a radio guy that fell into <laughs> rodeos. So I, I'm, really, is that true, Susan? Yes, I'm going with <laughs> it. But do you feel like, because there is this history, you know, there's history and tradition. Do you guys get calls from people who are like, well, we need to change. We need to do things differently. Or if it's like the rodeo is like, no, we are, this is what we've always done. This is how it is. I would say no. We do not get calls to change. Everybody wants it. This is we we like the rodeo the way it is. We want it to stay the same. I mean, yeah. I have to think some things as far as the the training of the cowboys, the training of the horses, and all that has probably improved oh, now that yeah. they have data and science and all this stuff. But. Yeah, just like with any sport. I mean, way back in the day, the cowboys never wore any type of protective gear. Mm-hmm. They just got on the horse with their cowboy hat. Now nowadays, you'll see a lot of them wear the protective vests or, or it's like a hockey helmet that they gotcha. wear instead of the, the uh, cowboy hat. But rodeo has, it's been true. It's stayed. Do they change the music a little bit? Yeah. You know, it's maybe not so much the, the country music they're, that they're playing. They're playing pump up music, just like mm. you hear at college football games and things like that. But uh, it, uh, it, it's, it's stayed true to itself. Do you see more women participating in the rodeo now than it used to be? Like women could only do barrel racing for a long time. And and it's still pretty much that. They, the rodeo has brought in another event for the women. It's called breakaway roping. Okay. The regular roping event that the men do, they, they rope the steer, mm-hmm. they get off their horse, they go, flip the steer over, tie them up. That's their time. What the women do is called breakaway roping. So they go and they lasso the steer and then they let go of the rope. And as soon as the, the rope breaks breaks away from them, then that's when their time ends. Interesting. So, but yeah, barrel racing and breakaway roping, that's kind of been the only women's events. Now, there, Do you have women beating on the door saying, hey, we want to do these things? So they're like, no, you guys are crazy for wanting to do it. Not so much at our rodeo. No. Uh, now, I, I do know of some, some women uh, bull riders and bronc riders and stuff. But they're few and far between, at least in the in the professional ranks. Do you think Yellowstone has helped the popularity of cowboying in general? Like they make it look really kind of cool, if not just a little bit dramatic. I I watched Yellowstone, but I did. I was thinking that it would cause a surge, just like Garth Brooks back in the and George Strait back in the eighties and the nineties. It was a big surge for for country radio, and a big surge. For the Western way of life in general, pick up trucks, cowboy hats, boots, wranglers, that whole lifestyle and fashion. Mm -hmm. And so I thought this past year, because Yellowstone was off the chart popular. So popular. Thought we would get a surge from it, but not not really. Although you want to know something, I keep saying that, but our ticket sales were up this year, 25% higher than it's ever been. So. So post COVID, could be post COVID, but I, I don't know. That's that's probably a good indicator. Obviously, not everybody's watched Yellowstone, but it's so popular, and they do make. They talk about you're not a real cowboy and what a cowboy is, and they make 
cowboying look cool. Yeah, yeah. What's funny though is, and I'm not going to say which actors, but if you know <laughs> if you know how to ride horses, and you, it's like in any Western movie or TV shows, it's like. Man, that guy, he doesn't, he doesn't know how to ride a horse. Know how to ride a well, horse. there's supposed to be somebody on set teaching them how to ride a horse. Most of them look pretty good. Well, do you see Taylor Sheridan come to the rodeo ever? He seems to be very passionate about that whole way of life. Hasn't been out to the Mesquite Rodeo Unless yet. you just don't know. Well, that's... Taylor Sheridan, call Brother Van for <laughs> tickets. He wants you to come to the rodeo. Bring your whole crew. Yeah. We'll put you in the 30-person uh, suite up there. Put there the whole go. crew up there. Yeah, you have to watch 1883, though. It's more about the characters, the period of time when they're moving from Texas, across Texas, during you know 1883. So you see they cross the Red River, and it was the Red River. Like they stopped in different towns along the way. They're like, oh, we're going to have to cross at Mineral Springs. So there's this whole reference of Texas history as it's going. And it's just, we're huge fans. Maybe, I it, maybe I'll give it another try. You should give it a try. I did about two episodes of it. And there was uh, somebody had scurvy or something. And I was just like, yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. Well, is there anything else that you want to talk about that we didn't hit on? It sounds like you had a really, actually, lovely time with Dorsey and the gang. I didn't know. You know, sometimes you see, you think about, um, there's a slew of documentaries right now where, and I'm thinking of like The Last Dance right now with Michael Jordan. But it talks about the drive to be successful and what it took and how he kind of just, he wasn't really nice to people Mm -hmm. during that time period. But it does not sound like that was your experience. It, It wasn't. Radio was a great career. It was a great career. And the people that I worked with, were fantastic, and I was uh, I was so honored when uh, I got the phone call to ask if I would be a pallbearer at Terry Dorsey's fun- funeral, and it was like, yeah, and that's really cool. Radio's not like it used to be. Do you Ra- get to make any decisions about what you play, or is it pretty much handed to you? It's and it's always kind. Of, well, for a long time, it's been that way. Yeah. You go in, there's 24 sheets of paper. Each one represents an hour of the day. This is the music. This is the commercials. This goes here. This goes here. You talk here. You talk there. But back in the day, you did have some flexibility. Mm-hmm. Now everything's just loaded in the computer and it just goes right through. You got 12 seconds to talk over this song. So where can people find you if they want to find you? If they want to find me? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, if you want to buy tickets to the Mesquite Championship Rodeo. Call 972-285-877, extension 2041. Or you can hear me still on KSCS. I've been there 28 years now. So, uh, and I do uh, weekends here and there. Uh, so just tune in, go to 96.3.com and see where I'm at. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you. It's been fun. Yeah. If you'd like to connect with us, please do so at gibagencydallas.com. Tell us what you thought, if you have any questions or comments. Thanks again, and we look forward to being with you again next week.